Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, good afternoon. Hope you are doing well. Hope you're staying safe as rain is all around us. It is great to be with you on this Thursday, February 16th, the year 2023. We're here for the next two hours as we are each and every day, Monday through Friday with my main man, James Mesh, in that uh, highly coveted producer's chair. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and uh, 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. One day away from the season opener, cold front on the way, and LSU has decided to make a change on opening day. They've moved up its season opening ball game against Western, Western Michigan tomorrow in Alec Box Stadium. Originally set for 6.30 p.m., the game will begin at 3 p.m. tomorrow, Um, 3 p.m. tomorrow. So our show will go from 2 to 2.30. Pre-game show for LSU baseball begins at 2.30, and first pitch will be 3 o'clock. With that in mind, Jay Johnson announced his starting rotation for the opener. Paul Skeens, the 6'6", 247-pound right-handed junior, will get the ball on Friday. On Saturday... Riley Cooper, a 6'2", 270-pound left-handed junior, will pitch the middle game. And on Sunday, freshman Chase Shores, all 6'8", 245 pounds. He throws it from the right-hand side. Uh, He'll get the ball on Sunday. So LSU will go righty, lefty, and righty against Western Michigan. So um, we'll see how things unfold as the cold weather comes in. It was a uh, classic night of hoops in the SEC. Number one, Alabama went down to the Tennessee Volunteers in Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville, tied at the half 29 apiece. Tennessee outscored Bama 39-30 in the second half to take a 68-59 win. So another number one ranked team falls by the wayside. That will certainly lower Alabama and will elevate Tennessee when the polls come out next. In a must-win situation for both teams, the Kentucky Wildcats went on the road to Starkville at the hump and beat Mississippi State 71-68. to The Wildcats are now... 17 and 9 overall, 8 and 5 in league play. So that was a must win for Cal and company. And finally, um, 
we keep waiting and keep waiting, and nobody's giving Texas A&M any credit. They were down by nine after one, 33-24 to 24 at the half. They came out. They locked up Arkansas, only getting the Hogs 23 points. A&M outscored them by 15. The Aggies win at 62-56. They're 19 and 7 overall, more importantly, 11 and 2 in the SEC, just one game behind Alabama. Yeah, how about that? How about that? Um, you heard in the two minute drill, Pelicans losing to the LA Lakers last night, 120 to 102. It started off very, very poorly. The, uh, the Lakers went on a quick run. They just they just punched the Pels in the nose, and the Pels could never, ever, ever recover. It was it. It was it. They outscored the Pels 38-25 in the first. Pels made a comeback, but then in the third, Lakers outscored the Pels by 10, and that was all she wrote. Um, very important game for both. And now the all-star break is upon us. New Orleans is 30 up and 29 down. And that puts them, as we've said for such a long time, they're, they're close to being fourth. They're close to being 12th. That's just the way they are. Denver goes into the all-star break with a five-game lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. Sacramento's in third, Phoenix is in fourth, the Clippers are in fifth, the Timberwolves are in sixth, Dallas is seventh, the Pelicans are eighth. Half a game ahead of the Golden State Warriors, one game ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're a half a game out of the sixth position. They're a game and a half out of the fifth position. So it's very fleeting, very fluid, but uh, the Lakers got LeBron James back. They have a whole new, but he and Anthony Davis, and then they've got three new starters because of trades and the Lakers trying to make a push into the playoffs right now. They're on the outside at number 13 in the West at 27 and 32. So about a nine day break now before um, games resume and the Pels try to make a stretch run with 23 games left in the regular season. Believe it or not, SEC football media days were announced, um, and it will start Monday, July 17th. It will take place for the first time in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Grand Hyatt. It's always been in Birmingham, always, but now it's at the Grand Hyatt, July 17th through the 20th. And LSU kept its typical spot on day one. Don't know what order they'll go in, but day one, Monday, July 17th, has LSU's Brian Kelly, Missouri's Eli, Eli Drinkwitz, and the Texas A&M Aggies' Jimbo Fisher. Tuesday, Auburn's Hugh Freeze, Georgia's Kirby Smart, Mississippi State's Zach Arnett, and Vanderbilt's Clark Lee. Wednesday, July 19th, will be Bama's Saban, Arkansas's Pittman, Florida's Napier, and Kentucky stoops, and things will close up on Thursday, July 21st with Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss, Shane Beamer of South Carolina, and Jice Heupel of Tennessee. How about that? Meanwhile, it hasn't been 
totally officially announced yet, but 247 Sports is reporting that LSU will begin spring football practice on March the 9th and will hold its annual spring game on April 22nd. Not officially announced by LSU, but they'll go over the details. They'll have 15 practices. They'll have a pro day. Then they'll have the spring game. I'll be interested to see how Brian Kelly handles a spring game as compared to some of his predecessors. We shall see. The number five ranked LSU women's basketball team will host its annual play for K game tonight against Ole Miss, 8 p.m. Central Time. Associate head coach Bob Starkey, whose wife Sherry fought and defeated breast cancer and who was on the K Yao Fund Board of Directors, plans to donate $1 to the K Yao Fund for every LSU student in attendance. So that would be great. Not as much hype now, not as much emotion and enthusiasm. Uh, since LSU lost, last played in the loss against South Carolina and rather handily defeated by South Carolina. But LSU now playing for seeding uh, for the SEC tournament, playing to try to keep their seeding high for the NCAA tournament. So Ole Miss will not be an easy task. Uh, LSU will have to play well to get the win. Number 18th ranked LSU softball team is in action tonight for the first of six home games in four days. Eastern Illinois, 6 p.m. tonight. Um, and then the Tiger Classic on Friday, February 17th, su- uh, Saturday and Sunday. The Classic includes Central Arkansas, Ohio, and Utah. Beth Tarina's Tigers are 5-0. and oh. They've outscored their opponents 41-9. to nine. Three of the five wins have come via the Mercy Rule. So... There you go. Our guest list today, Ralph Marlborough, will join us. We'll talk the latest on the quarterback position for the New Orleans Saints. Grant Hughes, our NBA reporter for Bleacher Report, will assess the NBA at the All-Star break. And with 23 games left to go, who's the player of the year? Who's the coach of the year? Who's the rookie of the year? And his thoughts on the Pels. Hour number two, Koki Riley will join us. We'll talk LSU baseball, LSU basketball. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will join us around 3.30 and we'll recapture the Super Bowl. We'll get his thoughts on Aaron Rodgers. Where's he going? We'll get his thoughts on any other free agent quarterbacks out there, Jimmy G and the, and the likes. And we'll get his predictions on which teams will garner these coveted quarterbacks, will the Bears trade their number one pick? Will they keep Justin Fields? Will they trade him and go after Bryce Young? Are the Indianapolis Colts going to trade up to the number one spot? All kind of things we can talk about with Frank Schwab. So that's what's on the docket. Bad weather is all around us. I feel for those with parades. My goodness gracious. But um, it is what it is. And a cold front is on the what it's going to be in the low 30s on Saturday morning. So just when you thought it was safe to go out, there, here's our one last boom, Arctic blast. I hope before those, uh, those spring-like temperatures come upon us. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day when we return. Ralph Marlborough, always interesting, always fun, always with the know-how on the New Orleans Saints after this timeout. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Why don't you join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity golf scramble benefiting Redbird Ministries sponsored by Courtesy Brobridge. Hit the links at Farm Day Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who've been given the extraordinary cross to carry, that being the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and courtesy Brobridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Let's have some fun, and together we can make a difference. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 18 minutes after the hour, it's always fun and entertaining when we get our next guest, who is the best host of the Best Saints podcast on Earth. With that, Saints happy hour. Um, he writes, he jokes, he has opinions. I love talking with Ralph Marlborough, and Ralph is kind enough to join us uh, during a very festive time in the Crescent City, laissez les bon temps relay and all that stuff. Ralph, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jordy. I- I'm a little upset. I wanted the Derek Carr. I wanted this to be done. I wanted it to be wrapped up. It's not wrapped up. I wanted it, I wanted it to be settled. And maybe the Saints, they took him to the Ralph on the park. Maybe they should have taken him somewhere better. I don't know. It's very, it's yeah. very distressing to me. I wanted it wrapped up. Ralph, if you were in charge of the dinner, dinner spot, Ralph's really? Ralph's on the yeah. park? Oh, come on. Where yeah. would you have taken, I mean, where would you see, have taken I, Derek Carr? See, I'm a strange one. I like I'm a big I like Brennan's, but I don't like Ralph Park. But I'm a weird one in that like I like New Orleans food, but I also have these weird things that I love, like Bud's broiler. So like yeah. I'm not a I'm not a good judge on like where to bring people. So I, I like the like really fancy, like well known places. But then I'm like, Oh, I love Bud's Broiler and I hate mothers and I'm like I, I, my my food tastes like I don't know if Ralph in the park was a good choice because he didn't close the deal, so I blame it. But I'm like the worst foodie in the world, so like okay. <laughs> asking me food opinions is is bad. But like, you know where to get a snowball? I'm I'm good. I I, I know that. I I'm really into that. So like, well, food, okay. my food opinions are worse than my Saints. We'll get to the Saints, but you just piqued my curiosity. Best snowball stand uh, in I New love, Orleans is I I I love that one on Harrison Avenue when I was oh. a kid. Uh, it's so good. They, 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 the thing that they do that's special, they make this, they have this like special chocolate syrup and they just um, pour the condensed milk, like a gallon of it on the snowball. So it's really like drinking condensed milk and you feel yourself getting fatter as you drink it. It's just, it's yeah. just the best. I went to, uh, you know, I, I went to De La Salle on the, on the Avenue. So we always hit Williams snowball stand yeah. on Plum Street where they serve it in those Chinese to go boxes. Oh, 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 oh. oh see, that's the Ralph. Way to go. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, why didn't the Derek Carr deal work out? See, I think that the re- I have conflicting thoughts on this. One thought is like the Saints, 
know that like well, no matter what they offer him, right? Like he wasn't going to agree to a trade with the Raiders. One because he whatever the Saints offer him, he can shop it around to other teams. But two, I feel like he was like, I'm not giving the Raiders a damn thing, right? So he was yeah. going to stick it to the Raiders no matter what. And for no Loomis, if you're Loomis, right? If you whatever you, whatever the Saints offered him. That's what he, that's his starting point with every team that wants him, right? He know, he knows like yep. Saints offered me this, so like Carolina, are you going to beat this? The Jets, are you going to beat this? Atlanta, Tampa. So like Mickey Loomis has got to walk this fine line of like we want him, but he's probably going to shop this offer around. So like my question is, what is the off? What's the money that Derek Carr wants? And like, how high are the Saints willing to go? And I think if you can figure out those two things, then you can figure out if he is going to be a Saint. But I'll say one more thing, and I mean this sincerely. If Derek Carr, if he signs with the Jets, we all need to thank the good Lord in heaven that he isn't the Saints quarterback because if he's dumb enough to stay in the AFC, I don't yeah. want somebody that brain dead to be yeah. the Saints quarterback. My man, Derek, you're like the ninth best quarterback in the AFC. In the NFC, yeah. you're top five. Like, if he stays in the AFC, he's not very smart. That's a great point and a very, very astute point. Okay, let's say Derek Carr is a dummy and he goes and plays with the Jets. <laughs> what What do the Saints do then? Bleak. Get, get out the good scotch, Mickey, and start to drink. Um it's bleak, Jordy, because here's the thing. Derek Carr, if he, go, if he doesn't go to the Saints, right, and Aaron Rodgers, when he gets out of his Shawshank Redemption, he gets out the hole and the warden lets him out, and he's, after four, five days of darkness, he comes out and he's like, I'm retiring or I'm going to stand with Green Bay, right? That's another quarterback that's off. Then you're like, that's with like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Gino is probably going to stay with Seattle. and uh, Daniel Jones will probably stay with the Giants. Like it becomes bleak. It becomes very sort of bleak for the Saints in a sense of you're kind of stuck with like run it back with Andy Dalton or, you know, run it back with Andy Dalton. Maybe you draft Hendon Hooker in like the third round and you have that. It's, it's bleak. And that's why for the Saints, I get why they're all in for like the 15th best quarterback. Because here's the really kind of depressing thing, Jordy, is I think Derek Carr, he's the best possible Saints quarterback this year and next year, like I don't think they're gonna there's gonna be a better option come along for the Saints this year or next year. So it's I get why the Saints are sort of putting trying to put all their chips to the middle of the table whenever that comes for Derek Carr because my friend the streets are looking bleak for the Saints trying to find it. Well, you know the Saints fan base if they run it back with the red rifle. Oh to me, God. that signals, hey, we're waving the flag, we surrender, and we're done. We have no we, we have no expectations anymore. I mean, the only thing that would be worse than running it back with Eddie Dalton would be <laughs> like if they signed Baker Mayfield. Which oh I my feel God. like Baker, I feel like Baker Mayfield, like like Dennis Allen, would at the, it, if you're in the meeting, if he's in the meeting with Mickey Lewis and Jeff Ireland, like, yeah, we're going with Baker. I feel like Dennis Allen would just like start yelling and pointing at people like, you don't love me. I thought you loved me. I thought you liked me. What are you trying to do to me? I just, but, it, but Jordy, like it's hard. Like if it's not, if it's not Derek Carr, and it's not Garoppolo, like it, it becomes like the, the difference between Carr and everything else is so stark. And that's why I, I think 
the Saints are in this, they're sort of in this box. And the thing to remember, though, is the cap is going up, up, up. So yeah. if the Saints sign Derek Carr and you see the contract and you're like, oh, my God, the Saints just signed Derek Carr for six years, $240 million, and it's $100 million guaranteed. And it's going to average $40 million a year. Oh, and people are going to freak, and people are going to freak out. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if he plays and he's a top 12 quarterback in two years, $40 million is going to look like a bargain. Because, you know, Joe Burrow, LSU hero, he's going to get an extension. What's he going to get? Oh, yeah. $55 million. Herbert's oh, going to yeah. get an extension. Like, $40 million is going to be, like, the going rate for the average sort of – he's kind of good, but we might want better, but we don't know if we can find better. Like, that's going to be the going rate for the quarterbacks. And I just think if you're the Saints, like – you can't quibble over a couple million bucks because, like, we just went over. Like, it's bleak. It's bleak. Let me ask you this question, Ralph Marlboro. Um, <laughs> Derek Carr asks Dennis Allen, look, I'm looking at what you – I know you got Camara, I know you got Alave, but I, I want to know about that, that Michael Thomas dude. Right. What y'all going to do with him? Because I want to go to a place where we have really good receivers. Right. And yeah. what you going to do with this guy? And he's, Can he play anymore? I mean, here, I get why the Saints would be, look, he hasn't played in three years. We have to have a healthy receiver. We have to move along. We have to get a receiver like Michael Thomas that can actually be on the field. I, I get all the reasons for the Saints would want to move on. But, Jordy, I'm telling you, if they get Derek Carr in quarterback and you, they some kind of way can figure out how to bring Michael Thomas back, and you draft Bijan Robinson at 29 out of Texas, and you get a guard, you get Torrance from Florida, then all of a sudden you look around the NFC South and you're oh like, God. we got yeah. Derek Carr, yeah. we got Michael Thomas, we got Olave, we got Shahid, we got an improved offensive line, we got Bijan Robinson, we got Kamara. Then all of a sudden the optimism is there. It's, it's a right. plan, and that's that's the thing too. Like the NFC South is so bad, Jordy. Like, why? Like, if the Saints sign Derek Carr in the next two minutes, and you tell, and, and we all get excited, the Saints have the best quarterback in the division by a mile, yep. by a mile. Yep. So yep. I, I get, yep. I get why the Saints want it. What I can't figure out is why the rest of the NFC South. Like, why haven't we heard news of the rest of the NFC South? wanting Derek Carr because to me the division's wide open and the team that gets Derek Carr is the clear leader in the clubhouse so that's what's strange to me about the whole Derek Carr saga so so far like we haven't heard more teams like the Saints wanting him desperately well all the pressure in the world is on uh Ralph's at the park if we don't get this dude nobody they're gonna boycott the restaurant I feel bad for them Uh, (laughs) although they they'll do just fine they got they got plenty of other ones, so they'll be fine. Uh, Ralph, thank you. We'll see. I mean, I guess he can draw this thing out as long as he wants. But if I'm him, man, I strike I strike it quick and get it done with. But but that's him and that's me, and we'll see what happens. But I th- I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be slow because I think what Derek Carr is gonna wait for he's gonna wait for Aaron Rodgers because yes. Aaron, whatever Aaron Rodgers decides to do, I think it ratchets up the panic. For right. teams that need a quarterback, right? So I think yeah. Derek Carr is not getting done until we know when Aaron Rodgers comes out of the hole and tells us what he will do. Like I don't think Derek Carr is getting decided any time before that.
I'm with you. Ralph, thank you, man. Uh, enjoy all the, the frivolity in the city. Have fun, and thank you as always. All right, Jordy. Talk to you next time. You're the best. Ralph Marlborough on the New Orleans Saints. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll shift gears to across the street, the Pelicans and the NBA with Grant Hughes. Bleacher Report after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, come on. You just really can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction by the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win till you start playing by DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. By the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy and by Cajun Chef. Whoo, crawfish season, whatever season, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back. Time to talk about the NBA as the All-Star break is upon us. When the All-Star break ends, about 23 games left in the regular season. A sprint to the finish line. Boston leads the East by one over the Bucks. The Denver Nuggets leads the West by five over Memphis. Grant Hughes, Bleacher Report. It's been a while, but he's joining us today. We're thankful for that. Going to get his assessment of what where the NBA is today, some of the trades that took place, and what's this sprint to the finish line going to look like. Grant, good afternoon, sir. Hey, Jordy. Thanks for having me back. Oh, shoot. My pleasure. Um, boy, it looks like we got a horse race in the East, don't we, between – Phil, uh, Boston, uh, Milwaukee, Philly, and maybe a dark horse in Cleveland. Yeah, I think so. Cle- Cleveland is, I mean, those top two are pretty pretty well set with, with Boston and Milwaukee. I don't really see the, the top of that conference changing. I mean, it's not like the Sixers are a million games back, but right. those two are really kind of a cut above to me. And, you know, Cleveland was really hot, too. The, the, the Sixers beat them last night, but, but that was tight down the stretch, and, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure really – that the you know the Sixers have Joel Embiid and and have generally been more successful the last handful of years, but the Cavs are right there, and, and that's kind of your top four. Uh, those are the four teams I really like the most, uh, and then I think you drop a little notch after that in the East. Yeah, Brooklyn traded everybody, so they'll fall. The Knicks mm-hmm. nine and a half, but after that, who knows? In the West, nobody's given love to Denver. Um, it's it's kind of a Man, it, it, you talk about so many teams that could could make a move upwards or downwards, a, a couple of wins here and there, and you're right back in the thick of things. Um, I guess I guess we have to start with the Phoenix Suns who made the trade for Durant. He hadn't played yet. They're in the fourth spot, nine games back, one game out of third. How do you foresee Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant? Yeah, I think like look, there are definitely concerns, right? Because they the Suns traded, 
you know, two guys, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, that really, you know, were going to be starters and going to matter down the stretch. So they're thinner. Um, you know, injury issues for Durant and Chris Paul and, you know, all those guys have been hurt or are hurt. Um, but I just look at, you know, just imagine a playoff series. I'm not going to bet against, you know, a team that has Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and just pick right. three guys, you know, off the street, basically. So um, if you're the Nuggets, to kind of tie it back to the first team you mentioned, you know, they're they're five games clear of second-place Memphis. They've just kind of, you know, run the conference for most of the year. But they've got to be sitting there thinking like, oh, man, you know, did we maybe need to do something at the deadline or should we have, you know, should we be as comfortable as we seem to be with what Phoenix did? Because I think Phoenix, mm-hmm. if I if I had to pick a team to come out of the West today to, to be in the finals, it would be Phoenix. That Maybe that's prisoner of the moment thinking. But right. um, we just see it year after year. That, you know, top-end talent is what does it. And now you've got Durant and Booker, and if those guys are healthy, uh, you're just not going to run into a team that has two better top end guys. I just think they that that Booker and Durant together, um, they they have someone that wants to give them the ball that doesn't need to shoot to be content in Chris Paul. They've got DeAndre Ayton down. I don't know how you stop him in the mid range game. I, I just don't know how you do it. Um, and particular in the playoffs when things kind of slow down, you got to have guys that can get shots on their own who's who's better than those guys well that's the thing you know the playoffs are different than the regular season we get that notion reinforced every single year and what you're talking about where the pace does slow down you don't get these cheap transition buckets anymore which really kills a team like memphis whose half-court offense is not good and they need all that stuff to score but defenses too you know in the modern game are designed to take away threes and and layups and the Suns are going to look at that and say, awesome. We have Kevin Durant and we have Devin Booker and we have Chris Paul, maybe the three best mid-range shooters in the league, certainly three That's of right. the best five. And we'll just take what you want to give us and we'll beat you. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a weird team construction for a regular season, but in the postseason, um, they, they are great at the types of shots that playoff defenses try to give up. So that's going to be really interesting to follow. Yeah, and I, that's why I like Phoenix as compared, as compared to Dallas with – Luca and Kyrie Irving, because uh, they both kind of want the ball. They both kind of want to shoot the ball, and Irving will will you know take a second fiddle to an extent. Luca's not going to. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, I think I think there's a great chance that the Mavericks' offense is just really good. You know, for from now till the end of the year, and for as long as those two guys are together. Uh, the, my concerns again are. You know, they weren't a good defense before they gave up right. their best defensive player in Phoenix Smith uh, to, to get Kyrie. And just, I mean, I, I we've talked long enough, you know this. I, I'm just, I'm not interested in being in the Kyrie Irving business if I'm Thank if you. I'm running an NBA team. So, Me neither. What, you know, take, take the on-court stuff out of it. I just, I mean, there's a real scenario where he leaves. This He's a free agent, right? And, and yep. the, the Mavs gave up a ton to get him relative to what I thought his value should have been. And then Luca, here's the disaster scenario. Luca is going to be sitting there at the end of the year, maybe looking around saying, so what do we got now, guys? And and yeah. how long until his trade demand comes, right? Because that's, yeah. that's how you have to think now when you have a superstar. You you can't miss like this. And with Irving, it, let's be honest, I think it's more likely this will be a miss, big picture, than, than a make. I'm with you. Um <laughs> crazy grant hughes kind enough to join us and then there's the los angeles lakers we saw last night they beat the pels 120 102 lebron back in the lineup with anthony davis and then they got three new guys 
uh, that they all picked up at the trade deadline, and and there's their lineup. I think they're better shooters. I think they're better ball handlers. Uh, I'm not so sure about defense, but what do you think of the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of stunned that, one, they were able to get off of Russell Westbrook's contract without having to give up. They had two first-round picks they could trade. They only ended up having to trade one, and they got some protections on it. And then they got back these three guys that, like, you know, none of them are, are perfect players. In, in Russell and Beasley and, and Vanderbilt, but all those guys help, and all those guys give the Lakers things they didn't have. You know, they have more shooting now. Vanderbilt's a really good defender; plays really He's hard, good. can guard. Yeah. You know, two, three, four, some fives. So, I mean, I think the Lakers probably are going to climb over some of these other teams and get into the play-in. That's about as far as I'm willing to go, just because mm-hmm. you know Davis has not looked the same since he has been back. LeBron has you know missed time and probably will continue to. So they're they're way better. I think the Lakers are one of the trade deadline winners. Uh, but but I mean you know they're climbing from what 13th in the conference. So if they get right. to eighth, you know that that's pretty good. All right, let's let's play this game. Um, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, Clippers, Timberwolves. Uh, you know anything past the, the Grizzlies, everything's up for grabs. It's like two games separating uh, third place from eighth place, it seems like. But anyway, um, the Pelicans, 30 and 29, again, haven't had their full team all year, again. Um, hamstring for Zion. You get Brandon Ingram back finally. Um, what did you think of the Josh Richardson trade? And what do you think of the Pels? if they could ever assemble their full lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the problem is that's still an if, you know, and and with every Zion injury we get, you know, they're not all, it's not the same recurring thing, but they're all on that right side, you know, the hamstring, the foot, the knee, that's all his right leg over the years. Mm. Um, so that makes it tough. It makes it tough to get a gauge on this team because we've seen how good they are when he's healthy uh, yeah. and, and they're sitting up there at what, were they first in the conference at one they point? They were first second, at third, one something time. Like yes. That. yes. So, so there's that, and then there's what they've looked like, you know, the last six weeks, couple months. Um, I think Josh Richardson will help. He's a role player. He's he's going to make shots. He can handle the ball a little bit. He's got you know the size you want on the wing as like he can guard a small forward. He can guard a shooting guard. Um, but but really, Pelicans just aren't a team that you know, I would pick to, you know, do much more than, you know, win a play-in game maybe um, without Zion, without some time to gel. And it sounds like, you know, he might be back for six, eight games at the most before the playoffs start. And I would imagine they'll be even more careful with him this time since he Mm re-hurt that that hamstring. So it's, you know, it's not a lost season because I think you learn some important stuff about the depth of the team and some of the young guys. um, And you learned how good this team could be with everybody in place. So, you know, it's not a failure. It's not a, it's not like anything was wasted, but uh, you know, it, 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 I think everybody wants to see how this looks over a full season or as close to it. Right. And we just, we just aren't going to know until Zion stays healthy, which like how, how confident are you that, that he's going to, you know, play a full season at any point. I'm, I'm losing some faith at this point. Me too. I think his biggest strength is also his worst liability. And that is his yeah. bulk and his size and his quickness, but that's also his biggest liability with that bulk and that speed and that quickness. I, it's, it, I, I don't know. Um, Grant Hughes with us. 
Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, the only players in NBA history to win three straight MVP awards. Is the Joker on track to do it and become the fourth to get three straight MVPs? Yeah, I think he is, and I think he might just run away with it, to be honest. I, I don't know if you saw there was a, a straw pull out just today. Tim Bontemps for ESPN does these uh, a couple times a year, and Jokic is kind of the the clear, you know, not even anyone in, in spitting distance favorite right now among, hmm. you know, informal polls of people that are going to vote. Um, right. So, yeah, we got to get we got to get used to it. It's going to it seems weird to me, just to be honest, that he's going to be there with all the names you mentioned. But I don't think either of his last two MVPs were undeserved. And I think I think he's pretty clearly the MVP this year. And it's just yeah. that doesn't mean he's the best player in basketball, because I think that has to include someone that's going to carry you through the playoffs to a championship, because mm-hmm. that's just something different. Um, but I think he has been the most valuable player during these regular seasons. That's just, yeah. it's one of those things that's kind of hard to square in your mind. Um, but, but I think that's where we're headed. I'm with you. Rookie of the year. Is there, is, is, is this a runaway as well? Yeah. It, the, the magic have, uh, Paolo Bencaro, the yep. number one pick. And he just, he kind of arrived looking like a, like a, early version of like a Carmelo Anthony and Jason Tatum type where he's just a really big forward that can score and and is really polished already. So it's him. And then there's really nobody else that at at any point almost at all this year has been close. Um, There's some good rookies, but he's just, I mean, he's head and shoulders above the field right now. Um, Coach of the year. Who, 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 man, this this is kind of challenging. Who do you like? Sacramento? Yeah, I think. I mean that—that's where that's certainly in the West. I think Mike Brown in Sacramento has has about as good a shot as anybody, just based on how good the team is and how good it was expected to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Denver was supposed to be good. Memphis was supposed to be good. It, that's that's not a shock. Everybody else in the West has kind of met or fallen below expectations. For me, though, I think I think it might just be Joe Mazzulla in Boston. Um, maybe it's that's cheating extension. because the team he inherited was so good, but. Yeah. It was a weird set of circumstances that, that landed him in that job. And the Celtics are, are my title pick right now. And I, you know, it's, it's, there are easier jobs and there are harder jobs, but there's no easy NBA coaching job. So I think it, him coming in at the last minute, you know, getting promoted from an assistant role and right. the Celtics are 42 and 17. Um, that, that, that impresses me, but, but I'm not sure how the voters are going to see that. Uh, Grant Hughes with us as we wrap things up here. Um, we 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 both agree we got to wait and see what Phoenix does. But if they play to the to, to their potential, they're going to be the favorite. Why aren't we talking about the L.A. Clippers? Kawhi's back. He's starting to play more minutes, and he's pretty darn good when he plays. Are you are you bullish on the Clips now? I think they're kind of like Phoenix in that if you got matched up against them in a playoff series. Even if you were the higher seed, you'd be pretty concerned just because of these those two guys they have, uh, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I, I'm less convinced that they're a real title threat than the Suns, just because you know we have seen a fair amount of what the Clippers. The Clippers haven't really had a ton of injuries. They you know they stick guys out to rest and stuff, but uh, the the offense is not good, um, and that that's generally you know okay. defense wins championships and all that. But you got to be able to score consistently and. They just haven't really done it. Um, that said, if, if all that matters is your top-end talent, then the Clippers belong in the, in the contender conversation. But 
got a good chunk of games so far that say, you know, the rest of the guys yeah. just aren't quite good enough to, to kind of make that work. All right. We got a sprint to the finish line um, coming up after this all-star break. So 23 games to go. Should I'm telling you the wild, wild west. It's going to be a horse race and we'll see what happens. But Grant, thank you. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your week and the weekend and the stretch run of the marathon. We can kind of see the finish line should be, should be exciting. So we'll see, but thank you, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jordy. All right. Grant Hughes bleacher report. We will wrap up our number one with something that happened in the world of sports 27 years ago that we still talk about and laugh about to this day. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. You could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab. And you're on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's just that simple. And it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 53 minutes after the hour, we're wrapping up our number one of two. You know, it's been awfully quiet, and it seems like it's for the first time in maybe three or four years. It's awfully quiet around LSU and football. It really is. Um, no off-season distractions. Um, man, that points to a positive culture change with LSU football. And I, I guess people are calling it the Brian Kelly effect. Um, discipline, commitment, trust, two-way street. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's been very, very quiet. And that's that's a good thing. Mike Huguenin joins me every year because if, you, if you're in the news now and you're a college football team, it's never for a good thing. So LSU's very, very quiet. Again, uh, Brian Kelly and three LSU football players will lead off SEC Media Days in Nashville on Monday, July 17th. Speaking of days, it was on this day, February 16th, 27 years ago. Happy Gilmore took care of Shooter McGavin to win the 96 Tour Championship and the Gold Jacket. What do you remember about Happy Gilmore? The fight between he and Bob Barker? The giant where the ball landed on his shoe? Oh, what a great stuff. What great stuff. Um, so 27 years ago, Happy Gilmore. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? And what a great name. Shooter McGavin. That's just classic. One of the great movies. Fun movie. Silly, but fun. And uh, loved it. 
27 years ago. Holy cow. Um, coming up next hour of the show, Cokie Riley will join us. Uh, LSU baseball, the season opener tomorrow has been moved to 3 p.m. because of the cold, inclement weather. We'll deal with Cokie on that. Women's basketball back on the front today against uh, Ole Miss. And uh, Frank Schwab will join us from Yahoo Sports, get his thoughts on the quarterback derby that's out there. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't win in the NFL. You can't win anywhere, uh, but particularly in the NFL. Are the pickings slim? And what does he think about Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and others? So we'll do with that uh, coming up here shortly in our number two. So if you missed anything to date, um, you can always go to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. After the show, it'll be on demand. Just look up the Jordy Helpert Show. It'll be there. We can go from that. Again, tomorrow, 3 o'clock, LSU Baseball. We'll have coverage beginning at 2.30, which means kind of have a break tomorrow, just a half an hour. Just a half an hour. Who knows? We may take phone. I don't know what I'll do in a half an hour. We'll figure something out. I promise. All right. Hour number two straight ahead. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Thursday, February 16th, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, back in the producer's chair inside the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn on your television set because we are simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber yesterday we lost raquel welsh today one of my all-time favorites he was a great catcher bob gibson wouldn't throw to anybody else and he became great in the television booth um rest in peace tim mccarver i'm a st louis cardinal guy mccarver was my guy man gibson mccarver cepeda Brock, Flood, oh my God, Julian Javier, what a, what a team with Rent Shandings as the manager. But Tim McCarver, rest in peace. Speaking of peace, as I said earlier, it's been very, very quiet. No off-the-field distractions. Uh, everything's smoothly. It must be the Brian Kelly effect. Uh, we've got Cokie Riley, who covers the, the Tigers um, for the USA Network and the Daily Advertiser joining us today. He went to uh, a little baseball press conference to find out what's going on with that. So, Koki, thank you for your time, buddy. Greatly appreciated. How are you? Doing great. How's it going, Jordy? Good. How come you're blasting LSU? You said you had tryouts when it was freezing cold. They could take some some low temperatures. You don't you don't like moving that game to three o'clock tomorrow? I do because I don't hey. have a full show tomorrow. I get kind of a holiday. <laughs> Um, I, I, I guess, it, I, I guess that does, uh, help you individually in that way. Thank but, you. You know, like, I, I, I mean, just because the weather 
flirts with 40 degrees or just under 40 degrees doesn't mean we have to you know, change the time of the game. You know, it's not that like there's lots, it's not like it's raining. It's not like it's 10 degrees with a negative six wind chill. It's, you know, it's fairly chilly and, um, you know, just like spring northeast weather. And I, I, I just think it's a little, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of funny that this is ha- that, gotcha. that, that, you know, y'all are so not used to, um, that sort of weather that you're willing to move up the opening day to avoid it. So, um, I, I don't understand. know. It was just a note from a Northeast guy. So understood. <laughs> understood. Are you, uh, are you a Boston guy, a Philly guy, a New York guy? What are you? Um, I'm a Boston guy. Um, uh, I, I guess, I mean, I'm from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which is like two hours outside. Okay. It's the, it's on the very, it's like on the, it's the far East coast. Um, so, uh, it's the it's the piece of land sticking out from Massachusetts, um, but um, yeah, I'm, but in short, I am a Boston guy. Yes. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. So we learned that Paul Skeens will get the ball Friday, a right hander. Riley Cooper, a lefty, will get Saturday's start, and the freshman Chase Shores will start on Sunday. So they go righty, lefty, righty. That's something Palmineri never did. He always went righty, 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 never got left-hander. So I love the fact you got a lefty in there. But anything other than that that was earth-shattering or important that you learned today? Um, I think Gavin Guidry, uh, I think the development of maybe using him as a pitcher was was kind of eye-opening, at least for me. Um, he was a two-way star in high school, so it's not like this isn't, um, totally out of his norm, but um, especially after the Grant Taylor news and um, some of this, some of this rotation shakeup, I'm, I'm I don't want to say I'm totally questioning where LSU's pitching staff is, but there there's also has to be a reason as to why they're looking at Gidry as a pitcher, right? So mm-hmm. um, now I, I I I'm not worried yet. I don't think anyone should be like pressing the panic button, but but I do think it is. I, I, at least a little curious that you know they're already asking a freshman to to help them out as a pitcher and um, using one of their top relievers as their Saturday starter and just doing some things that doing and just being really creative to start the year. Maybe it, maybe maybe they're fine and it, and it's not a big issue. And Riley Cooper's taking a huge leap and they just think that Gavin Gidry can also help them out in the mound because why not? But. I, I also think there could be a reason behind some of these moves that well, I, I, well, I honestly didn't really see coming. So, well, let's let's kind of do it because some people have the glass half full, some people call it ha- glass half empty. By doing this and what you just said, maybe some players that they were counting on maybe haven't uh, made that leap, uh, that adjustment to college baseball yet, or to playing baseball at LSU, and maybe they're maybe they're just not they don't have the confidence. Uh, from their coaches to put them out there at this point in time doesn't mean that's not going to happen as the year goes on because it's a it's a long season. But maybe right now that pitching depth isn't as deep as we thought. If you're a glass half empty guy, would that be fair? Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I, I'm not saying that it's definitely it's not as it, it, you know, the glass isn't as empty as it was last year. I, I think that's pretty safe to say. But if you but like you could definitely make a case that um, that the, their pitching woes haven't fully fully been filled yet filled just because of 
some of the injuries because again, it's like it's not just Grant Taylor who's out for the season. It's also Jaden Newt who was a guy who could have gone in the first two rounds of the MLB draft if um, if he had gotten the right uh, bonus pool money from MLB teams, but he didn't. And now he's not going to pitch this season. And it sounds like Javen Coleman, um, his his timeline's been muddied. Uh, looked like he was making good progress from when we last talked to Jay Johnson about him, but now Johnson's kind of admitted today that um, he thought he was further ahead in his progress than he actually is at the moment. So I don't know how much you can count on a guy like him and Caleb Appleby, the, other, the junior college, um, the other junior college arm they brought in. He's he's out for the season as well. So there, there's there's already been some injuries there. Um, they're asking a freshman second baseman to maybe work out as a pitcher now. Uh, one of the top relievers has now become a starter. Uh, so, I mean, there is a case yeah. to be made here that things yeah. are getting, I won't say a little wobbly. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, yeah. But then, again, on the other side, I mean, Chase Shores and his development, the fact that he's a, like, a big 6'7 right-hander who can throw in the upper 90s and um, the fact that he's ready to start right now, like that, that does actually sound like that's that's yeah. something that's a lot more promising. So, um, you know, it, it's just really interesting how this is sort of already evolving before opening day. Seems like we have so much confidence in Jay Johnson and how he runs the ball club. Well, what have you noticed? What is his approach? Um, and is it is it an approach to um, follow in the footsteps of what a Skip Burtman did what a Paul Maneri did it and win a championship. Does he have that uh, without the, right there in his hand, that kind of style? I, I think Jay Johnson's an uber-competitive guy. You know, he's a laid-back personality because he's definitely a California guy. You can tell that. I mean, I lived yeah. on the West Coast for four years. I can tell that. Um, but, like, he's also someone who's going to do every single possible thing he can um, to to. To, you know, to, to to win baseball games, and and I think you saw it last season. I think you definitely saw it this offseason, just even how aggressive he was in the transfer portal to sort of fix their pitching situation. How aggressive he was in getting a guy like Tommy White to uh, replace Jacob Barry in the order, like all, all that sort of stuff. The, the fact that they have the number one recruiting class in the nation, just all that aggressiveness to do all of that while not really having an assistant coaching staff um, until they, you know got the Minnesota Twins pitching coach to come down to Baton Rouge. Right. Uh, it, it, I think all that stuff sort of like speaks to his manic work ethic and just his like drive to, you know, simply get the job done because um, I mean, he was really distraught after the Southern Miss loss. Like I was at that uh, post game presser. I, I went to those games and you can tell like he was, he's been, a, he's been a, been a man on a mission really ever since. Has Jay ever talked about, I, I heard he wants to make some changes to um, the ballpark. Have you heard anything about that? Make some improvements there? Um, I haven't heard a ton about that, but that's something that I'll definitely try to uh, keep in, uh, keep an ear and an eye out for um, as we, as we move forward. I mean, I, of okay. course, Jay's going to do everything he can to sort of um, find the ledges and uh, at the ballpark will probably be, I, I, I would imagine the ballpark's definitely going to be could be one of those things. Got to put a swimming pool out in the outfield, man. Come on, that's a that's a money making machine. <laughs> I would, love, I would right? love a swimming pool. Someone who's going to be at a lot of these games. So. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Um, 
LSU basketball. If they if they're not going to win Saturday, they may not win a game the rest of the way. South Carolina's coming to town, and this is certainly a winnable game, right? Yeah, um, that's kind of my attitude to this thing too. I mean, if they can't win this one, then it, it could be tough for them to win at all for the rest of the season. Um, because if you think about it, it's right, it's just SEC games and. Uh, they, they, I think Vanderbilt's going to be a tough out for them, yes. for sure. Because outside of Missouri. that, right outside of the South Carolina game, there's that game. Then there's the Ole Miss game, which that's probably the next most winnable game. I think Ole Miss and South Carolina are probably right down there at the bottom with LSU, and kind of between those three teams. Um, and can LSU win one of those games? I, I think they, I still think they probably can because. They came really darn close against Georgia. I think Georgia is yeah. a step above those those two teams. Right. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. Like this, I th- this game Cokie, is very important, but I, I think it's just good for everyone's morale um, around Cokie, the team if, that they just if, finally get a win. If they shoot forty eight percent, forty eight percent, they'll beat South Carolina. They'll beat Ole Miss. Anything less yeah. than that, low forties, they're not going to win. They're just not. Uh, maybe above forty percent. Like forty eight <laughs> is, is setting the bar pretty high. <laughs> that might be asking um, too much. No Lord, have guys, mercy. But that's just the reality of the situation. So, golly, sakes alive. <laughs> um, I'm just out of curiosity. You cover that team. What? What? Mm-hmm. What? What else can you talk about? There's, I mean, you can't keep saying, "Oh, they lost another one." It's the same. <laughs> it's like a. It's Groundhog Day. Well, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, we're showing improvement, but guess what? They're still not winning. Um, your first half, awful. Can't throw it in the ocean. Awful. What do you? How, how do you get creative and, and come up with things? Um, yeah, uh, it's it's hard as a beat reporter to cover teams that lose. I mean, I'll, I'll just be really honest in saying that. Yeah. Like it's because, like you said, there's there just becomes this repetitiveness uh, of losing and. Um, I mean, it's harder to come up with storylines. It's harder to come up with new ideas. And there, and obviously, interest drains, like with any team in any sport that loses a lot of games. And I don't right. care who you are. Um, even if you're the New York Knicks, like, like or the, the Lakers, like, right. your, your interest is going to go down when you lose. It's just the reality of the situation. So, um, yeah, it, it is tough, but... I guess for like silver linings, I mean, you look at some of the younger guys. I think Sean Phillips has improved over the last few weeks. I think that's been uh, pretty obvious. He's earned more playing time. He's become like the true backup center for this team. I think Tyrell Ward's also improved last game or two as well. I feel like he's been, he looked a lot more comfortable on offense and with the ball in his hands and um, being aggressive, more a lot more aggressive with a shot. I've, I've seen that the last couple games. So um, I think those are two like genuinely good, like, promising, you know, flickers of hope moving forward. Um, but, I mean, again, like you said, though, there, there isn't a ton of stuff. But I, if you want to, like, lean on anything, it's probably the young guys. This roster is going to look completely different next year uh, than it is right now. It better, or else there's going to be some questions to be asked. Um, so we shall see. You know, it, when you win, everything's great. Do you notice a wane in interest in the women's team? I mean, they only lost to the best team in the country. It's kind of quiet. They got a game tonight. I know it's an eight o'clocker and everybody's looking forward to a break and Mardi Gras and all that, but I'm not hearing much noise about it anymore. Um, I think when you lose by more than 20 points in like the most anticipated game 
Uh, yeah. Most anticipated regular season game, maybe in program history. Uh, yeah. I think that will definitely take some wind, wind out of your sails, regardless of what your record is, uh, regardless of how good you are. I, I, to be honest, like I, I just think it'll, it'll, they'll win if they win the next couple games, as they probably should. Um, but that momentum will be right back in full swing, and okay. uh, people will be excited because then the SEC tournament will be right around yeah. the corner, and that's when we start talking about the postseason and the NCAA tournament and seedings and. All this other interesting and um, I guess high level stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it too too much. They just got to start winning games again, and um, yeah. it's not like they were losing a lot of games. They literally, they literally only lost one. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. But I definitely see what you're saying. I get ready because uh, the reports are coming out that uh, spring football practice is is gonna is right around the corner. Let's see what is two four seven sports reporting. Um, March 9th with the spring game, April 22nd. So get some vacation in while you can, if possible, because that'll be, that'll be a grind as well, but you're, you'll be up for You're young, you're talented. You can handle it. Man. <laughs> so, uh, it, just, yeah, just that's remember we're from the deep south. We don't like cold next week. So, um, oh, well, good. That's, that's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> good, good. Uh, look, we're from the deep south. Don't criticize us for not liking the cold, man. No, I'm ready for this cold to get out of here, and let's have some good weather. Cokie Raleigh, have a great rest of your week and weekend, and have a great vacation, and thank you. Thanks so much for having me on again, Jordy. You're the best. You're the best. Cokie Riley covers the Tigers for the USA Day Network and the Daily Advertiser. We will uh, be back with more after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. Over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana by Ducks. D-U-C-T-Z, Cleaning America's Air from the Inside Out by Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction by the Louisiana Lottery. Lots of money out there, but you can't win until you start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. And by Cajun Chef, right there in St. Martinville, a tradition unlike any other. It's crawfish season. Chef, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 22, 23 minutes after the hour, rather, on this Thursday, February 16th. They are playing golf out there in Los Angeles at the Genesis Invitational Riviera Country Club. Tiger Woods playing for the first time in months and months and months. Teed off in the afternoon wave. And right now, Tiger, through three holes, is at minus one. So he and Rory McIlroy are playing together. Justin Thomas playing uh, the, that that threesome. Um, and Tiger is at minus one. McIlroy's at minus one. 
Um, in the in the clubhouse early, uh, Max Homa minus seven, John Rahm minus six, Matt Kuchar is at minus five. Um, just some of the big names: Ricky Fowler minus three. This, this is a loaded, loaded tournament, um, and they're there to play because it's uh, it's Tiger's tournament. So uh, the main thing is, can can he can he compete? Can he can he walk? Can he? Can he, you know, hit the shots that he said? He says he wouldn't play in the tournament unless he thought he could win it. He believes he can. He can compete with everyone. So right now he is at one under par after three holes. So he'll uh, he'll tee off in the early morning session uh, tomorrow. So we'll see. Golf is better when Tiger's playing. It just, it just is. Um, he birdied uh, the first hole of the tournament. Um, and according to reports, he looked good. He wasn't limping. He looked comfortable. Um, so in recent comebacks, though, he's lost it on the back nine around the turn. So let's see if he can uh, can make it through 18 holes today. I certainly hope uh, he can. Again, if you're just joining us uh, and you're ready to head out to Alec Box Stadium and skip Burtman Field tomorrow for the season opener of LSU baseball, it's changed because of the weather. Um, three o'clock first pitch, three o'clock first pitch, LSU Western Michigan. So, uh, there you go. Um, said again, Hall of Fame analyst, two time World Series champion, um, Tim McCarver passed away at the age of 81 today. A cause of death was not given. Um, 21-year major league career with the Cardinals and the Phillies, mostly with St. Louis, and they'd have gotten to the broadcasting booth, and he was tremendous there. Um, yeah, he helped win the World Series with St. Louis back in 64, was an all-star in 66, um, led St. Louis to another World Series over the Red Sox in 67. Uh, he was He was a heck of a player, but an even better player better analyst he was really really good uh so and again i'm a st louis cardinal fan st louis my dad you know burnt grew up in burlington iowa and he listened to all the redbird games and so i became a redbird fan still am to this day i think it's a class organization but he was a really really good one um 16 years in the te television booth um doing games of the week working for the Mets. Uh, he was inducted into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame in 2016, the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame in 2017. So quite a career, all of it in baseball for Tim McCarver, passes away at the age of 81. Jeez. Man, 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 man. Um, sad really is sad uh what else is going on out there um phoenix sun's former owner robert sarver is giving a twenty thousand dollar individual bonus to many of his former team employees and is also donating five million to the team's charity um this came out today uh after he sold the uh franchise after being uh he sold it for 2.28 billion um 
and and some more after that. So, uh, wow, wow. So anyway, classy move for someone whose reputation has been uh, tarnished to say the very, very least. All right, uh, let's take a quick time out here. When we come back, Frank Schwab will join us, recap the Super Bowl and recap all this craziness with quarterbacks, where they're going into the uh, free agency market. That's all coming your way next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Delta Media Corp. is looking for self-motivated, hardworking individuals to join the team. Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department. Hire, interview, administer pay, benefits, and more. In addition, we're also looking to add an account executive. Training is available. If interested, send your resume to Cochran at deltamediacorp.com. Delta Media Corp. is an equal opportunity employer. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. Uh, threes are wild. 333 Central Standard Time. We we go to Mountain Time to Denver, Colorado, where our good friend and uh, expert um, for the NFL and other things with Yahoo Sports, Mr. Frank Schwab joins us. Frank, um, how are you, man? How was your How was your time in Arizona? Good, very good. Fun as always. Great game to cap it off. I, I mean, it was it was a good week. It was a good week, and uh, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the game because it was I mean, yeah. it was thrilling right down to the end. Yeah, you couldn't ask for anything more if you were Fox. Um, all right, so everybody's complaining about a call, a no call. I mean, want, sum it up for us, please. Yeah, to me, look, here's my perspective on it. I'm not, you know, watching the TV feed. I didn't hear Greg Olson. So, I, you know, I was like, oh, that's, that's a bad time for a penalty. And yeah. then I looked at the replay and said, yeah, he grabbed him. Okay, no big, it is what it is. It stinks, but... And then, you know, I go down to do interviews, write my stories, get on the media shuttle on the way back to three hours after the game, shocked at the social media outrage. I mean, I, and, and it's just a different perspective because I wasn't watching on TV. I really think Greg Olson's a great commentator. I like him a lot. I think he might be the best mm-hmm. one going today. But from what I know, he basically made a mistake and basically said, well, there's nothing there when there was. And it, it's he held him. James Bradbury after the game, said, yeah, I grabbed him. I was hoping they let it slide, but they didn't. I've never, ever in my life, Jordy, met a defensive back who did not commit a penalty, but said, yeah, I did it. No problem. Yeah. I mean, that just does he, he did it. He knows he did it. I, I'm just surprised at the outrage over a penalty that was called a penalty. I, I get it stinks. <laughs> like, I, I, it stunk for everybody. I it was like, wow, I really want the Eagles to get another shot at this thing. But penalty is a penalty. What can you do? Instead, people are, you know, this is the worst call in sports history. The ref yeah. threw in the Super no. Bowl. It's, 
it was a penalty. I don't know yeah. what to tell you guys. It it was a penalty. It got called. It stinks. I get that, but don't don't, don't give me the stuff that it was a terrible call. It was the right call. It just yeah. you know one of those one of those calls that kind of robbed us of a you know, a potential very uh, dramatic two minute draw by the Eagles there. We're we're pretty sensitive down here when somebody says the worst call in the history yeah, of sports. Yeah, no, you guys with, had the worst with call with that Nolan like, no was, call. That was the worst ever. To, I mean, the the Saints with that Rams non call. That was the worst call ever. ever. This was just a penalty. It was called a penalty. I, I don't know really what the. <laughs> there's, there's no comparison between those two. I, you know that. Yeah, that's our claim to fame. We suffered the worst penalty in the history of any sport on the planet. Uh, Frank Schwab with us. Okay. So the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champs. Uh, Mahomes is, you know, uh, got two titles, two MVPs. Uh, every, uh, I don't know why everybody wants to start talking about where does he rank among the all-time guys. He's got a lot of football left in him, right? Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I mean, he's he's special. And, you know, one of the, one of the things I wrote from Phoenix last week was just how people are kind of getting sick of them already, turning on them. And I get it. That happens. Dynasty, whatever. But this social media era, I don't remember anybody hating Joe Montana. I really don't. Nope. Like, I, I just think that everybody kind of was like, wow, this guy's awesome. Whereas Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's as good of a quarterback as I've ever seen. I mean, we're talking about Primer and Rodgers. I mean, Brady has, you know, his claim to it. Peyton Manning at his absolute peak. He's right there with any of those guys, maybe even better. Why I don't get why we want to move on so quickly to the next thing. I'm just appreciating how great – Patrick Mahomes is that kind of, I guess, try you know, jokingly said, you know, maybe Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys are just Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone, where they have great, great careers and never win a title because yeah. they're playing against the NFL's Jordan. I mean, it it really like Kansas City Chiefs rebuilt this year. They traded Tyreek Hill yes. for draft picks, didn't get any veteran help in that trade. Didn't really do anything in free agency. Yeah, they signed Valdez Scantling and, and Juju Smith-Schuster, but these guys aren't great players. And they still won a Super Bowl. Everybody else was loading up to beat them. They voluntarily took a step back by trading an all-pro receiver and still won a Super Bowl. It's, it's unbelievable. And I, I just, look, I'm not going to be the guy next. I was the guy last summer saying the, the Kansas City Chiefs, oh, maybe they don't win the A's. I'm not going to be that guy this summer, Jordy. I can guarantee you that. The Chiefs are just, as long as Andy and Patrick are there, yeah. They're they're the class of the NFL until further notice. And Reed, um, Mahomes, and that darn Travis Kelsey. Shoot. All right. So we know they've got their quarterback. There's a bunch of free agent quarterbacks out there. I want to go through a list of them, and you tell me, do they stay? Are they going to find a new home? What do you think? Starting with Geno Smith of the Seahawks, an unrestricted free agent. Do Did he do enough? Uh, in Seattle to warrant uh, them bringing him back and handing him the keys again? I absolutely think so. And I think, anyway, after all Geno's been through in his career, you know, really getting that one brief shot and getting discarded pretty quickly, I think he's going to know better than to chase a couple more dollars. Like, look, if Seattle's offering you $25 million, probably more than that, but if somebody else offers you 28 Stick with the 25 and be happy with a team that really values you, that yeah. knows what you can do to place your strengths. And I just, I, I'd be shocked if it doesn't work out there in Seattle for Geno Smith. All right. He's 32 years old, turning the clock over to 31 years old. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers. I don't know what Oof. they do. They got three, they got hurt, they got. I, 
Joe Montana's come out and said, I'd, I'd start Jimmy G as my quarterback. What, what do the 49ers do? What does Jimmy Garoppolo want to do? Yeah, and I, I just think Jimmy, as much as he's probably enjoyed his 49ers time, it he probably wants a fresh start just because what, what are you going to do, come back and then Brock Purdy's the starter? Like I think he's just – and the obvious move for him would be to go to the – former Patriots, uh, you know, womb and, and get back with Josh McDaniels with the Raiders, right? Like, okay. they need a quarterback. I've covered Josh McDaniels. I've written many times about expatriates assistants. They can't get enough expatriates players. They just can't. They, they have this weird infatuation huh. with former Patriots players. You know that whoever Josh McDaniels gets as his quarterback is going to have some Patriots ties and just makes so much sense for it to be Jimmy Garoppolo. All of this, of course, is... Um... We have to wait and see when the guy comes out of the dark what uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to say. We'll deal with that a little bit. We, we've we already you know discussed Derek Carr. He's visited with the New Orleans Saints. He told the Raiders, I'm not giving you anything. you got to release me. I'm right. not letting you get any, any trade assets for me. Uh-uh. I'm going to stick it to you. Now he's out there. He's a free agent. He can go wherever he wants to go. What's the best fit for Derek Carr? You know, I, I think it's a two-part answer here, is that I think the best opening is New York Jets. The Jets are the one team that if they can get the right quarterback, they can win a Super Bowl. I really believe that. I think a roster is set up that well. Okay. That they can at least compete, like, right? Like, they could be AFC Championship, game, whatever. They, they could be one of those teams at the end of the season where we say they got a shot to win a Super Bowl. But they got to get the quarterback right. Obviously, at least to me, obviously, the white whale there is Aaron Rodgers. That's why they hired Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. Yep. They want Aaron Rodgers. I, I think yes. that that's – I don't know if it's obvious, but it's obvious to me. Like, that's the one guy you could get who all of us would say, wow, all of a sudden the Jets look really interesting. If yes. I'm Derek Carr, I don't know. I'm looking at that – you could sign with the Saints right now if you want, right? Like, he got cut. He's not a free agent. He do whatever you want. So he could do that right now, but if I'm him, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see what the Jets do. Because if it's not Aaron Rodgers, if he's just playing this Lucy in the football game with us and he's just going to stay in Green Bay and it's just all this drama is worth nothing, then if I'm Derek Carr, I'm calling the Jets and saying, let's get this thing done. I can make your team a Super Bowl contender. Because if you're Derek Carr, I want to go to the – I don't need to make money anymore. I need, you're going to get paid pretty well wherever you go. I want to go to the team that gives me the best shot to win the Super Bowl. That's the New York Jets right now. Nothing against the Saints, but I, I would – the Saints would be my backup option if I'm Derek Carr. I would say I – I, I need to see this Jets thing through. They got this tremendous roster with both offensive and defensive rookie of the years and a great defense, and they just need a quarterback to get over the hump. So I think the answer to Derek Carr is the Jets are my number one option, but if Aaron Rodgers fills that slot, then I think you go back to Saints. The Panthers are out there, too. I think they're a very interesting team. I don't think there's one of those options for Derek that's as even close to as good as the Jets. Let's do the devil's advocate here. Why would I want to go play in the AFC with Mahomes yeah. and and Burrow and all these teams? I can go. I can go play in the NFC South and win, you know, X amount of games and and get a first round buy in the playoffs and have a chance. You're not wrong. I mean, if you, I think that's a perfectly legitimate way of looking at it to say whoever whichever NFC South team figures out the quarterback situation best yes is going to run away with that division and it's going to be like you said you're going to your your record might be inflated a little bit like the Vikings were last year but right. you're going to beat up on the rest of the division you're going to win that division by 3 4 games uh, that division is really really weak 
And so I, I don't discount that. I don't discount what you're saying. Uh, maybe I'm looking again at too much of a roster instead of a situation. Gotcha. Because you're right. Gotcha. You go to the AFC. AFC, let's say he goes to the Jets. You're dealing with Tua. You're dealing with Josh Allen. Patriots are no yeah. pushover now. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right that if if situation matters to you more than roster, I think you're looking at those NFC South teams and saying one of these teams is going to figure out the quarterback and, and easily win the division. He is Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Daniel Jones with the Giants. He's 25. He's got to be the guy, right, to stay in New York? Yeah, yeah I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know yet how I feel about Daniel Jones. He had a nice year. I don't know if he's in that $35 million a year quarterback range, but what are you going to do? He just went to the playoffs with him. He showed signs of growth. Young guy. He was four, you know, the sixth pick of the draft to you four years ago. I don't think you can go back now. I don't think you can just say, hey, thanks. You're out of here. Um, they got Saquon Barkley, too, but there's no way you franchise take Saquon Barkley over Daniel Jones and let Daniel Jones walk. I think right. it's, it's probably just going to work out, and Daniel Jones signs a pretty good deal with the Giants. Or else they're going to franchise him. I, I just it, It's tough for me to believe they'd be moving on after the season he just had. And finally, the big elephant in the room, and I don't know what's happening with the, the what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar yeah. Jackson. It seems, like, it seems like it's almost a certainty that they're going to put the franchise tag on him. And how's Lamar Jackson going to feel about that? And that's the problem. It's, I mean, for anybody out there, it's like, well, Lamar's not going anywhere. He's going to franchise tag. Well, he can get the franchise tag and not be happy about it and really – I mean, just create an atmosphere that's really not conducive to winning. And that's nothing against Lamar. I understand where he's coming from. I know the franchise takes stinks. It's hard to just swallow it and be like, I expected $200 million guarantee, and now I'm getting 38 whatever the franchise tag is for quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's a hard pill to swallow. I don't know, but but the, the, the holdout rules have been really tightened up. You can't you can't just hold out till week 10 like guys used to do. I mean, that's just... They're not going to work. So I don't know what happens. I really don't. I, I the Ravens just can't give up on him. He's too good. I mean, we what do they do at quarterback if it's not Lamar Jackson? I mean, everybody was like, oh, maybe they'll just move on. And I, you know, by the end of the year, you thought it, maybe that is an option. But then you got to answer, who's your quarterback opening day? Can't be Tyler Huntley. It just can't. Like you don't no. want to go into the season that way. So I'm with you. That is the one situation. Aaron Rodgers thing is kind of whatever, and I'm over it. The the Lamar Jackson situation is just so complex, has a chance to get really, really ugly. I, I hope it works out. I love Lamar. I think he's a perfect fit for Baltimore. I think they've embraced him and his style of play, and they, they win with him. I hope it works out there with them. But right now, I mean, and the, the problem with this all, Jordy, since the beginning of this whole scenario, usually we get some reports, really good reports, because agents yeah. leak things. Like agents want to know, hey, yeah, they're low-balling my client, whatever. Lamar doesn't have an agent. He's his own agent, and he's not really talking. We have no idea how far they are away. I mean, there's been some reports that maybe they're you know, accurate. Maybe it's a little bit of speculation, but it just seems from the outside looking in like these two sides are not close. And if I was Lamar, I'd say I'm better Deshaun Watson. We're starting yep. with that contract. And maybe the Ravens are like, that, that's got kind of an outlier contract, and you are you know, you play a style that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be at your peak at age 31. I, mm. I can understand both sides here, and it's a, it's a really, really difficult situation. I, think, I know Lamar wants to save some money, but, man, I think you got to have that buffer between managed ownership and yeah. you, and that's the agent. Man, this is where all this sensitivity and feelings get hurt, and – that, that that's why this thing's a mess. I really believe that. Oh yeah, I think it factors in. There's no doubt. I mean, 
Lamar, I'm not discounting Lamar in any way, but he's not an agent. He's, there are men who have done this for 20, 30, 40 years who know how to negotiate a nine-figure deal. And I'm not saying Lamar can't, but that's not his expertise. I couldn't do it. Like I, have a, I It's a very complex issue where I think, yes, I mean, it's a lot of money when you're getting into, if he's going to sign a $300 million deal and you're giving 3% of that, that that's significant. But I think, yeah, if he had an agent right now, it would be a lot smoother. And it wouldn't be that hard. Like, the agent always plays the bad guy, right? Like, right. the agent goes in there like the bull in the right. china shop, and he wants the world, and the team can get mad at him, and, he can, and the agent can get mad at the team, and the player's just on the sideline not dealing with this. Right now, there's no buffer. Like you said, perfect word, no buffer. Lamar's the one dealing with this and all the hurt yeah. feelings and Makes all that. No sense. And you're going to take it more personally with the agents. That, that's his job to kind of take those bullets sometimes for his client. All right, in 10 seconds, Aaron Rodgers comes out of the darkness. Jesus. Um, oh, boy. Is he, <laughs> is he a Packer? Is he a Jet? Is he retired? I'm, I'm finally to the point where I think they trade him. I think it's time. I think he goes to the I Jets. do, too. I do, too. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, you're the best. Thank you. Enjoy some downtime, I hope. Go skiing Bye, I or shall. something. I definitely will, Jordy. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you. We will uh, come back and we will wrap this bad boy up with a couple of birthday wishes after this final timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Golly, you know, Super Bowl's the last game of the football season, but in NASCAR, they play their Super Bowl opening day. It kicks off this Sunday with the Daytona 500. Can Bubba Wallace break through, take that checkered flag, or will Kevin Harvick take the checkered flag for the second time at the great American race? Tune in Sunday to find out. Pre-race coverage begins at 1230 and you can listen to all the exciting action right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, time to wrap this bad boy up for this Thursday, February 16th edition. Tiger Woods bogeyed uh, the fifth, so he's now at even par uh, through five holes at Riviera and the Genesis Open. He's tied with Jordan Speed, a whole bunch of players, so still early. Uh, we shall see, but in the lead, in the clubhouse, uh, Max Homa, seven under. John Rahm is at six under. Matt Kuchar is at five under par. Um, special thanks to all of our guests today. It was fun. Ralph Marlborough with the uh, the Saints, Derek Carr, all that. Grant Hughes on the state of the NBA and um, where it stands now as the All-Star break is upon us. 23 games left in the regular season. I think it's going to be a racehorse in both conferences to the finish line. Koki Riley, LSU baseball game tomorrow. The season opener moved to 3 p.m., you can listen to it here on the game. Pre-game show, 2.30. First pitch is at 3 o'clock. So we'll have a very, very, very abbreviated show. And then Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports uh, says, Derek Carr to the Jets is the obvious choice. Saints is the backup. 
Why would he go to the AFC? Come on down to the NFC and be the quarterback for the Saints. Win that division and get in the playoffs. Come on, man. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, if today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. A pair of uh, LSU Tigers celebrating their day-to-day. Todd McClure, um, a center, uh, offensive lineman for LSU, long-time Atlanta Falcon. He's in the Falcons' ring of honor. Todd McClure, happy birthday today to you. And from the hoop side of things, who can forget that loose ball scramble pickup against Purdue in the NCAA tournament, the last time they let teams play on their home court. And Anthony Wilson with the putback at the buzzer to beat Purdue for the Tigers to survive and advance. Anthony Wilson celebrating a birthday today. Miss you, Big A.W., Let's get together, call you. Let's, let's kick you on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, 27 years ago today, Happy Gilmore beat Shooter McGavin to win the Tour Championship and the Gold Jacket. Ah, what a fun movie. Fun movie it was. Yes, indeed. James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to everyone for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it be the radio, the internet, or television. And we appreciate it. To our partners... Well, you know, we couldn't do it without you. <laughs> you make everything possible. So so thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 o'clock, but only till 2.30. And then we'll turn it over to the LSU Sports Radio Network for opening day of LSU baseball with all the expectations in the world on their shoulders. So we shall see. Um, so until then. I am Jordy Hultberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Believe me, that is the most important thing. Uh, let's be kind to one another and be happy. If you're heading out to parades, be safe. Coming up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Until tomorrow, have a great day. So long, everybody. <laughs>